hello and welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. My name is Bianca Woolwick and I'm the host. I interview my friends and people that inspire me to figure out if they have the key to life and they feel successful or feel like they don't fit in like I do. Anyway, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, I just wanted to do some housekeeping before we hop into the episode this week. I am so grateful for all of your support. Thank you so much. Um, And I will continue to release episodes every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific. However, I am going to start releasing bonus episodes as things are timely. I've had an incredible opportunity to interview people all over the world. So I want to share as many of these episodes as possible. So if something feels timely and I compare it to a previous interview that I've had, I will release it. Um, So look for those bonus episodes on Friday. um, And thank you everyone for all of your support. Please like, share, comment, tell a friend, etc. And if you want to be a guest, as always, just email pdkmopodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, and I hope everyone enjoys this episode. My guest this week is the sensational Skylar Hurt, who works in television. This is a really fun interview, so I'm excited to share it with you. So let's just hop on into it. How's it going? Hi. Hi. <laughs> I don't know what day it is anymore. I'm going to be completely honest. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I, I hear you. Every day is the same. Did you watch Palm Springs? That's my life. Um, yes, actually. And I think you were the one who posted about it originally. Okay. And uh, yeah, I watched it and I was like, every single day of my life is this. Um, <laughs> so to my listeners, this is Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. And the lovely, beautiful voice you're hearing on the other end is my Instagram friend who I've forced to be my friend, Skylar Hurt. <laughs> So Skylar, can you give a 30,000 foot overview, elevator pitch, who you are, what you do, etc.? Sure. Um, so I am the director of development for unscripted uh, content for a production company here in Los Angeles. So basically I help come up with ideas for new reality shows and pitch them to networks. Um, I am a dog mom. I am from Texas originally. I've been in LA for about six years. Um, I'm a Gemini. I'm uh, bisexual. Um, I'm a former Mormon. Um, yeah, I think that about rounds it out. <laughs> yep. And um, on like, first of all, Skylar, you have my dream job. Like if I could like pitch television, oh my God, the crap that people would see. Like literally trash on fire. Um, but I am actually your target audience because I have consumed the things that you've helped produce and pitch and uh, they're all great. And so I actually, you came on my radar because my husband and I were moving from Denver to San Diego, California um, through the military. And we were in, uh, I wanna say Arizona and I was listening to Nicole Byers' podcast, Please Don't Kick, or sorry, not Please Don't Kick Me Out, why would I say my own podcast? why won't you date me? And, um, your interview just like randomly shuffled on. And I was like, so captivated by this conversation. And I thought, wow, this person sounds really awesome. So I'm going to do a little sleuth. And I went back in her posts and found you and then was like, all right, this girl's awesome. I hope she wants to be my friend. And I remember I got really excited in the car because I'm a nerd and you followed me back. And I was like, ah, (laughs) so um since then it's been you've been one of my favorite accounts that I follow um I love your messaging your branding your aesthetic everything you stand for so I'm very excited to have you as a podcast guest um because you being on Nicole's podcast actually made me think because because you weren't necessarily like a comedian or someone that would have normally been someone she would have chosen to be on the podcast you actually knew her personally and that was made me kind of like break the fourth wall so to speak and be like oh like I could be a podcast guest one day somehow and then I was like I mean I really want to be a podcast guest on someone's podcast and then I was like well no one's ever going to ask me I'm just going to start my own so here we are (laughs) 
That's amazing. Good for you. Yeah. I mean, like I was saying, I got laid off at the beginning of pandemic. And so um, right before I got laid off, I had been asked by a friend, what, what would you rather be doing? I was frustrated in my job. I was feeling like underappreciated. And, and I said, you know, honestly, I would much rather podcast. <laughs> Like, I don't know why I just felt the need to do it. So here we are. Um, Yeah. So the elephant in the room with this podcast, and actually you have a really fresh take on this concept of imposter syndrome, but it's also deeply ingrained with like the feeling of like comparing yourself to others in terms of like, do I have it all figured out? Am I successful? That kind of stuff. So we'll start with the first question, which is resoundingly always has the same answer, but do you feel like you have it all figured out? (laughs) <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely not. Um, I, I feel very lucky that I have sort of landed into like a dream job scenario. Yeah. Um, I, I, it, it's so funny that that old saying, you know, it's all about who you know, it's so true, especially in Los Angeles. It's really just about the connections that you make and the people that are in positions to help you out. Um, and my sister is a headhunter and she is who got me my first job out here in LA was a, an assistant for a PR firm. And that was, uh, not a good fit, <laughs> um, that crashed and burned, but just meeting people out here got me a job in casting. And I worked in unscripted casting for a while. I did shark tank. Uh, I did the voice. Um, I did undercover boss. And um, then I switched to casting for development projects for different production companies. And that's how I met my current boss um, and her and I clicked. And then she ended up reaching out to me um, for a full-time job. And it was really because her and I had this dynamic between us. We got, we worked well together. We got along, we creatively collaborated really, really well, which is so hard to find. I feel like just in any Mm -hmm job. Um, and she has become this mentor to me and she, she's so supportive and it's, I learned so much from her every single day that it, it gives me like, especially during pandemic, like she gives me something to live for. Like I wake up like looking forward to talking to her and creating with her and collaborating and coming up with ideas together and I, I, I feel the luckiest in terms of like my job and my position because of the people that I work with. Yeah, that's uh, amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, I feel like very rare, at least in my experience in, you know, in working mm-hmm. in LA. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> no, it absolutely does. I think that's a really beautiful kind of come to story because um, I know that LA can be very much a nightmare if you don't know the right people. And so a lot of people who don't make it in LA or can't hack it in LA, it's because their networking skills are just so few and far between. But um, we're both Geminis, you and I. So we are definitely outgoing people. And um, I would assume you're somewhat more extroverted than introverted as kind of I am. So I've always had a really easy time making connections. And I'm, of course, I'm not in LA, I'm in San Diego, but I hit the ground running out here. And I've had people ask me, they're like, how long have you lived here? And I'm like, just a year. Like, are you sure about that? How do you know everyone? Like literally everyone knows you within six degrees. This is crazy. Cause I started out in San Diego. I started out at, um, at a branch of a title and escrow company, which is super boring and not very sexy. And I was a marketing director for title and escrow, which is basically when you're buying a house, you want title clean and the property inspection and blah, 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 blah. Who cares? Everyone's asleep. Um, And it's a B2B industry. So it's very boring, but I was very close with my sales team. So my sales team, I mentored them, I coached them, I helped them. And I felt like my boss at the time that I had within this last year felt like a leader to me. And for the first time I felt truly stoked to go to work every single day. And that was a really great feeling, but it's amazing. You know, you, you had this beautiful kind of like not too many steps you had to take to get where you're at, which is awesome. Um, and not everyone can do that. Like myself. I mean, I stumbled through my career in Denver. Um, but, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't say that, I mean, if I I didn't say that I don't feel like I have it all figured out either. Like 
at all. Like, and I don't think anyone does. I really don't think so. Because the second you say you have it all figured out, I think that you're becoming complacent and very boring. And I think we're always moving the goalpost um, yeah. just a little further. Yeah. Yeah, there was that line, um, Michelle, from Michelle Obama's book, where she's talking about how she's been in every important room with every important person, and these people do not have it any more figured out than you do. They don't know more than you do. They just have this confidence that they right. think they know, <laughs> and it's like, that's really what it comes down to, is just kind of faking it till you make it, almost, you know, just like having the confidence that you can figure it out or have the confidence in yourself that you can do it even if you don't think you can. Oh, absolutely. And I'm really stoked for you that you have a position that you really love, especially given the pandemic. Cause I remember reaching out to you pretty quickly into it being like, okay, like, are you okay? Like, is your job good? You're like, no, I'm still working. I was like, thank God TV. I like will be continuing to be made. <laughs> yeah. We're actually back in production already on a few different shows. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. It's exciting. I mean, there's all these, you know, you know, production protocols now with COVID and it definitely slows things down, but um, th yeah, things are finally back up and running this week officially. I like hearing that because um, I definitely am a consumer of reality television. I know it's not real. I did production assistance for Kitchen Nightmares. I know it's mostly scripted. I'm not stupid. However, I still love it and I don't know why, but I just, I think I can turn my brain off when I watch it which is like what I like about it because I, my brain's always going a thousand miles a minute. And um, for me, it just like allows me to kind of like disconnect. <laughs> well, I, what I really like about the production company I work for is that we try to do more um, kind of docu-series. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So it is kind of less scripted because it's, it's more of a, a documentary in series format. And um, like one of, one of my favorite shows that I cast for, um, for the company was called uh, Kentucky Ayahuasca. It was on Viceland. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it was about this, this guy that they found in Kentucky, Steve, who runs this church and the sacrament for the church is Ayahuasca. And that's sort of the legal loophole uh, since it's a religion to yes. allow him to administer it. And he, he helps people who have a history of addiction or mental health issues work through them through ayahuasca he acts as like their shaman so every episode we meet three or four new people and we learn about their past and what they're struggling with and then we watch them go through the process of taking it and how it helps them and none of that was scripted that whole series yeah absolutely and i mean i similar to like what you're saying i watch mostly the docuseries like i mean we'll just throw out the elephant in the room of 90 day fiance and anything on TLC is kind of what I typically watch because <laughs> I had TLC on YouTube TV. I had a free weekend, but I like that it feels more authentic and, you know, especially with like the ayahuasca thing. I mean, I think that's fascinating because, um, I, I saw like a drugs documentary on it. Um, and it changed these people's lives. Like they came out the other end, just feeling like a different person. And I was like, wow, what's that like? <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So to kind of segue into the feeling of imposter syndrome, and like I mentioned to my listeners, uh, Skylar has a completely different take on this. Um, she might not necessarily identify with it, um, which I think is beautiful. Um, that would be lovely. But um, do you feel like you fit in or suffer from imposter syndrome? And in what ways? And what does imposter syndrome mean to you? Well, I think... I think the first thing that comes to mind when you mention it mm -hmm. is that I am swimming in debt. Um, I have like $40,000 in student loan debt. I have, I had to have um, emergency surgery at the beginning of this year. Mm -hmm. That was a $10,000 bill from Cedar sinai I had, um, I ha had to pay my taxes once Trump was elected, I didn't change my mm -hmm. tax form and I owed like $5,000 in taxes that I didn't realize I would have uh. to owe. So like, I feel like, oh, as much as I enjoy my job and I, I love doing it every day and I feel like I, I have my career together in a sense that I can kind of see the trajectory and I know what my goals are and I'm excited to work mm -hmm. toward them. Financially, I'm a mess <laughs> and I'm working on, um, 
kind of creating a financial plan for me to be able to have a, a future financially. But that is something that you can't see on social media. You know, that's something that no one really talks about in terms of like, yeah, it looks like I have it all together and I love my life. But behind the scenes, I am really struggling to, to, to get my shit together and figure it all out. And like, I don't have a savings right now. Like, we're just going to be really real. Like, I, that's something that I would love to be able to, and I'm 33 years old, mm-hmm. you know, like, it's about time that I be able to save up for a down payment for a house one day. Like, that's another weird thing thinking about like imposter syndrome. Like I live in Los Angeles a down payment on a house here is like $250,000, which is like Mm -hmm. the cost of a house anywhere else in the country. And in my mind, I may never be able to afford a house because of the way that my situation is right now. And like, am I going to be renting my entire life? I'm going to be throwing money away at landlords for as long as I live. Like, I don't want that. So that, that's the first thing that, that came up for me. Mm-hmm. Um, when you mentioned it, but I mean, I think in terms of like imposter syndrome, like it always kind of makes me think of like a, your career, like you mm-hmm. don't deserve to be where you are. You didn't earn, mm-hmm. you know, what you have. And I, I feel like I've been through so, so much. You mentioned I didn't like go through a lot of steps, but all the steps that I took that like the, what I mentioned to you were just from the past six years mm-hmm. that didn't include me going to BYU mm-hmm. um, and majoring in film school and then leaving the Mormon church to move to New York city to go to film school, to realize New York wasn't for me. Then moving back to Houston to switch to journalism school and none of those credits transferred. And then basically starting from scratch at, at J school and then graduating and moving to Austin and trying to get a job for four years and not being able to find anything other than like waiting tables and being a bartender or a telemarketer and then going to Disney World and doing a professional internship in guest relations until eventually my sister was like, you need to just move to Los Angeles because that's where TV happens and you've always wanted to work in television and we can figure it out from there. And then thanks to her and thanks to the connections that I made, I was able to finally find a job but it was by no means easy to get to where I am now and it took a lot of like soul searching to kind of figure out what it is that I wanted and where I wanted to be I mean over the course of you know 15 years essentially but I'm grateful that it all worked out yeah (laughs) and I don't mean to like by any means diminish that because like you know everyone shows up their shows their highlight reel you know what I mean so like I'm with you I'm 30 um I struggled to get to where I am and to get to that place of like peace and like soul searching it it there was times where I would be laid off or let go from a job because I'm you know millennial and it's always unstable and all that or I was looking for a startup and it ran out of money or whatever that might be and I would look at my husband and I'd be like why am I in this career like what am I like this isn't fitting like this doesn't fit me Um, and, um, I felt imposter syndrome and I'm starting to realize in these conversations I've been having about imposter syndrome on the podcast, that the more that something isn't aligned with what you're meant to be doing, the more imposter syndrome rears its ugly head and tells you that you don't belong and you don't deserve it. So when you start kind of moving into what makes you who you are and owning that confidence and owning that person who they are, uh, who you are actually, it tends to then kind of diminish and fall back because you're suddenly living your truth. And that is something that the first time it was said to me, it really blew my mind. And then I went back and I thought about it and I was like, yeah, advertising was not for me. Like I shouldn't have, I mean, I went to journalism school or I started in art school. I wasn't good enough at art. So I switched to communications and journalism and I was a radio DJ and I wanted to do that but my parents told me there was no money in that so I switched to journalism and advertising and public relations tried for public relations was horrifically bad at it went you know interned no one would pay me got hired at a advertising agency where I didn't fit in there and constantly was being told that my perception was affecting my boss who's a total asshat and I, I and then I just kind of fumbled from like place to place to place to place to place until finally I met my husband and he was like, why are you struggling so much? Why don't you just take this time and figure out what you need to be doing? 
I was like, oh, that makes sense. (laughs) But yes, um, in regards to debt and all of that, and, you know, people not being able to see that, um, I want to, you know, congratulate you on actually taking ownership and trying to find a plan to move forward and to create positive and attainable goals for yourself. Because I think sometimes people don't ever really do that. And then, you know, it's just, it keeps accumulating. And I think that's amazing that you are taking the steps forward for you so you can feel better about everything in your life right now. Well, I'm trying. I mean, I haven't <laughs> really accomplished hey. thing yet, but we'll see. I'll, I'll check back in with you. And <laughs> well, on. yeah, I know it's like, I, like, I, I never had to worry about that with in terms of like college and stuff and stuff and I'm I'm grateful for it but on the other hand like having to watch my friends go through it it's awful and it sucks and then you know you even bring up like the bill from like having an emergency surgery like that makes me angry all over again because I'm like <laughs> healthcare should be fucking free what the right. hell right so and it's like you had this life saving saving surgery had you not had it you would have right. been very 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 ill and so that's where I'm like man like us millennials, we can't, we can't get ahead at all. Like we really cannot win right now. <laughs> I know it's funny. A lot of like tweets make me feel better because it makes me realize like how many other people are in the same boat as me when mm-hmm. you see like something about, yeah, how healthcare should be free because of some emergency surgery that someone had and then it has 500,000 likes on it. It's like, oh, I'm not the only one in this boat. Like it's sort of the system that has put me in my position. So I can't really feel too bad about myself. Yeah, absolutely. And I I definitely appreciate that. You did say something and you kind of mentioned it. And I think that um, I, I it's good to touch on it. Um, just kind of how you've like gone on this beautiful journey to like figure out like what you're truly meant to do. You've always wanted to work in TV, correct? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I was sort of raised on TV. You know, my mom was a, a teacher also trying to go back to get her master's, like raising three kids. And a lot of times we were, you know, we were latchkey kids. We were coming home after school to an empty house watching TV until she got home probably around like eight or nine and we would have dinner made, you know, it was, it was one of those things where it was like TV was sort of the default of what Mm -hmm. we would do after school. And it, it was always in my mind, something that I aspired, like when 30 Rock came out, like I thought that was going to be my dream to be Liz Lemon. And I always wanted to be Tina Fey. Like I always wanted to work for SNL. I wanted Mm -hmm. to be a writer and I wanted to be a creative. And that, that was really my dream. And I realized kind of like you said with art school, like it doesn't come to me very easily. Like I tried writing sketches and I tried doing impressions and, you know, as much as I enjoy it, it, I'm just not as good as the other people who get, who get the job. And it didn't really seem worth it to me to kind of keep like hitting my head against a wall. If I'm not naturally gifted in that area, how can I, you know, use the skills that I do have in a creative way, but it's sort of like pivot and the unscripted thing was the perfect fit. Uh, I love that because, um, yes, I was actually like just not great at art. I wanted to be a graphic designer, actually, Skylar. That's that's what I wanted to do. I truly picked the college that I went to because it had the best art program in Colorado. My parents said, we're not paying for you to go anywhere but in-state. And I said, okay, what's the furthest one from you? And it happened to be the best art school and I was not good at it. And I'm (laughs) just, I'm, I'm creative. Like I'm creative. Like I'm good with words. I'm pretty decent at speaking. I'm, I I like to think that I'm funny for the most part. I have very strong opinions. And so like for me, like words, writing, communicating, like that is actually where my strength was. And it took failing epically at art school or I guess like my first semester of art. And I just got like, I tried so hard and I got like B's and C's and I was like, this is, awful like I'm literally up like crying over this like color palette and I'm just not understanding any of these concepts and and I don't regret it because I have friends that are in graphic design and they are miserable (laughs) because they want to create their own stuff but they're creating stuff for 
magazines or editing out stuff and they're not doing anything that like makes them feel creative. So in some ways I feel blessed to have figured out that lesson like sooner rather than later. But even so, like I never saw myself in marketing ever. And I'm at a point now where I think like I've really taken this time to like figure out what I want to do next and, and where I kind of see myself in the world. And I feel very drawn to, as a military spouse, other military spouses and how underserved they are as a community. Um, we are seen as not very permanent in the workforce. We are seen as start and stoppers. Um, and that actually is to our detriment. So you, when you interview for a job, you feel very, very afraid to mention that you're a spouse because then the next question is, okay, so how many years are you here? So you're suddenly cast off. And that to me is something that like, I think marketing will always be part of my career, but I'm feeling a tie a different way, especially amongst this pandemic where I'm seeing so much of my community being laid off. Yeah. So I guess um, as in, in terms of imposter syndrome and stuff, we've kind of touched on that, but imposter syndrome is so deeply ingrained with um, the idea of success. And what success looks like to you it might look different than what it looks like to me. So what does success look like to you and do you feel successful? Yeah, um, I, I definitely feel uh, lucky, mm -hmm. um, grateful to be in a position where I have a job that I'm proud to tell other people about. Like I remember that being kind of the thing when I was a PR assistant, mm -hmm. people would ask me, what do you do? And I was so excited to be like, oh, I'm an assistant to a publicist who manages like 60 like A-list clients and let me list all these celebrities for you that I talk to on the phone on a regular basis. Like that was so exciting to me. But the job itself, I was such, I was so bad at it that I was miserable all day, every day. So it, it was some sort of level of success in so much that I was proud that I was doing it, but I was doing such a bad job at it and I didn't enjoy it. So I feel very grateful that I'm now in a place where not only do I enjoy the actual job itself, but I feel proud to tell people that I, that I do it. So in that sense, I do feel successful. Um, but on the back end, like we were talking about before, um, I, I wish that I were in a place financially that I felt successful and had like a nest egg and like a savings to fall back on if, if the worst should happen or be able to like travel without charging things on a credit card or, you know, just think about, be able to think about my future in a more concrete way in terms of like buying a house and having children and like none of those mm -hmm. things really seem um, like possibilities financially for me right now because of my situation, but hopefully that will change over time. And something great about working in television is the trajectory of your career could also change overnight. Like you yep. could sell a, a huge hit. You could be the executive producer of a show that takes off that makes a ton of money and, and your financial situation could change. So not that I'm holding out hope that's going to happen. I, and I love having like a steady, like, like full-time job with benefits and I, I love like the everyday of it like I wouldn't I wouldn't trade what I have to take a bigger risk to go out on my own to try and pitch shows because that's sort of the alternative mm -hmm. right now like anything that I pitch or come up with goes through this funnel and it's pitched through the company and the company obviously splits all the profits so I get a much smaller piece of the pie versus if I were to go out I'd get the whole pie selling something myself I I prefer to be collaborative I prefer working on a team um, I feel more creative when I'm able to talk stuff out with, with other people and like I said I feel very lucky that I work with the people that I do um, but even even in that context it could still if we were to sell a show there are benefits financially you know mm -hmm. when you're bringing in more money then i i would be able to see um see a difference so i don't know i'm ho i'm hopeful i'm just gonna i'm trying to i'm in a place in terms of the pandemic right now where i'm trying to turn a corner in mm -hmm. my productivity and um kind of turn my shit up a notch because there was a while there where I was sleeping a lot and smoking a lot of weed and feeling really depressed and sorry for myself that I wasn't able to go anywhere, especially as a single person mm -hmm. in the pandemic and not really being able to have any kind of 
like physical mm -hmm. touch or quality time with any other human beings. Like it really kind of weighed on me, but I'm trying to now maybe focus all of that energy on my work to try and make some shit happen. So we'll see. I absolutely adore that. And you know what? Everyone's going through this pandemic in a different way, right? So my pandemic is different than your pandemic, but it is okay. I'm glad you allowed yourself to feel the feelings you needed to feel, feel the frustrations you needed to feel, and do exactly what I did when I felt that afterwards. I go, okay, well, I can't change anything about it, so what can I do that's positive, right? Yeah. So for me, like with all of this um, pandemic, uh, I was like, oh, well, got laid off. All right, cool. So I can apply for unemployment on this date. Did that. And then I started this podcast and then uh, I was advocating for therapy. And then, so I was advocating for therapy and then I finally took the plunge and called the therapist as well as a doctor, finally got diagnosed with adult ADHD, which I needed to do probably years ago. And I like just kind of kept working on myself, working on myself, working on myself. And now I'm like crafting, like I never thought in a million years I'd be able to do that. I'm actually kind of good at it. I make hair bows, it's nerdy. Um, but I love it because it's like repetitive and it's cute. Like I just like ribbon, I guess. I don't know. Totally. And, <laughs> oh, I totally get crafting. Yeah, yeah. It's like therapeutic. It feels good. Yeah, it does. And I, and I like, but I never thought I would have like the, the ability or like brain function or, or lack, like I used to call it squirreling out to be able to do it. And now I do. And we got a puppy. So it's like, we've done a bunch of different things in the pandemic, but yeah, I agree with you. There were times where it sucked. Like I had to put my dog down. That was awful. It's like the, it was just, it was like the most horrific thing I've ever had to do. I lost friendships and I, the, the bad things really got me down. And for most of it, my husband was on, um, underway. So I was alone as well. Right. So there was a lot to it that was frustrating, but like you, I turned a corner or you're starting to turn a corner and I was like, all right, well, how can I be like the best version of me? Because clearly this thing's not changing. So I love that you're going to throw yourself into your workload. And I also think that you should always keep your hope because when I hear you talking, you sound so full of hope. I think that something's going to stick and that I, I, I'm like my fingers crossed good vibes in the world for you that like something is going to stick and blow up because that is what LA is in a nutshell. Um, I interviewed an actress, Jordan Van Cleef. She couldn't find the parts that she, that she want, that she couldn't find the parts in LA that she wanted. So she created them herself and just started doing her own web series and that kind of stuff. And her best advice was your life can change in an instant in Los Angeles you might blow up and it might be for the dumbest thing, the stupidest idea that you ever had, but suddenly it can throw you out and spit you out as just as quickly as it catches you. So I definitely feel that change of wind is coming. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, my roommate did a tarot reading for me uh, last night mm -hmm. and every time I get my tarot read, I'm, I'm always thinking, okay, when am I going to meet the love of my life? And like, I want it to be like a romantic reading and tell me about like, you know, when am I going to meet my person? But this was the one time I was like, okay, let me focus on like how to be the best Beyonce I can be. Like, yes. how, can I, how can I be the best Skylar I can be? And the whole thing it felt was about like, me getting in my own way and I have all of the tools that I need for success within me already. I have unlimited potential. I just need to unlock it and I need to figure out how to do that. And the, the reading said in my future, like once you figure out how to get out of your way, then you will, you will meet unlimited success and ah. dreams like beyond your wildest dreams. And uh, so I feel, yeah, like you mentioned hopeful. I feel <laughs> I feel hopeful for the future for sure. No, I know good things are in your future. Like I always, I'm, I'm a snap judger, but I'm also a very good judge of character. And there was something about the interview that you did with Nicole that really spoke to me. And there's something about you and your authentic self. And I'm like, this girl is going to blow up. Like it's going to happen. Because that was not at all the impression that I got from her listeners. Like the majority of the feedback that I got. I was your only like positive where I was like, I can see myself in her. Like, so I don't know. I listened to that episode. I didn't have anything negative to think or say. And I mean, I just, I didn't. I truly didn't think there was anything wrong with anything that you said. And I hate that fans of people can be just so mean. Yeah, well, you know, I get that they're being protective of someone that they feel that they have a history with. Mm -hmm. I'm a total stranger to 
them. They're you know, longtime listeners or followers of hers and anything critical that I may have said about her, they would be defensive about. Like that all makes sense to me. It's just so funny that people feel that they can like, go to your page now and talk shit about you. Like they don't know me, but they're coming <laughs> at me come in my DMs to, to tell me how much they think that I'm a piece of shit. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't know you. You don't know me. Like you just listened to me talk for like 45 minutes. And it was and personal. Could... Yeah. <laughs> and it was a yeah. personal conversation. Like yeah, this was someone that you tried to date. You know, this was someone that you tried to see if things would work out with and it didn't and that's okay. But like the fact that they're coming at you, it's like, no, like people are allowed, like just because there's a platform here doesn't mean that like you, people aren't human, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I feel that. There was a part of me that sort of expected it because I did call her out on her shit. Like that was I did. I heard it. One of the things that I was looking forward to doing when she asked me on the podcast was literally just be honest about what went down and talk about like how I felt, you know, like like she didn't prioritize my time or she wasn't very considerate of me. And I felt like she's asking this question in earnest. Why won't you date me or why am I undateable? And I have a concrete answer for you. Here's something that you could work on that made me feel like shit when we were going out. And it, it was just funny to me that so many people took that personally because it had nothing to do with them. And Nicole herself didn't take it personally. But um, yeah, that was- No, she, she, she said you were right. <laughs> <laughs> she was like she was like I am busy <laughs> I'm really busy like, all right well that's your prerogative you know and now that I know that I, I know that I don't want to date people that are like that and that's my lesson from this whole thing absolutely yeah I, I you know if you can't learn from I'm not even gonna call it a mistake because it's not mistakes if you can't learn from like what irks you in dating like you will never meet the right person and that's not my me advice to you because you I'm, I know you know this if you don't listen to those red flags, those things that upset you and you just like doormat yourself, like you're going to have a bad time for sure. Like I remember, so I, I've done all of the apps, all of the garbage, all of that. I met my husband, um, on Tinder. We matched. I don't think I've ever told this story in the podcast. So here we go. We matched on Tinder. He invited me to go to a bar with him that I hate. He had all these things that threw up red flags that I thought were red flags in my head. Oh, he's military. Like he's probably been married before. He probably has a bunch of kids, like stupid stereotypes. He invited me to go to this bar called the view house, which is essentially like, I don't know, think of the douchiest bar in Los Angeles. And that is it. Um, and, uh, I said, I just basically said, no, thank you. And didn't go on a date with him. And we matched on like everything like Bumble and Tinder. And then I had quit it quit my job. Like, some weeks go by. I'd quit my job. I was, I'd just taken a solo trip to Chicago because I thought I wanted to move there. Um, I was miserable in my job. I was feeling better about myself. I was working on me, similar to getting out of your way, Skylar. I was working <laughs> on myself. And I was thinking like, I want to move somewhere or do something for myself that like shakes up my whole trajectory, like a snow globe. That's what I want to do. And um, I logged into my OkCupid I had my settings up to anything below a certain match percentage. I it would go in another inbox. And as I'm logging, cause I'm like, I shouldn't be dating right now. I need to be deleting all this crap. So I'm logging in to delete my, delete this, all of them, like Tinder deleted, Bumble deleted, all of this had like the worst date I've ever been on the night before. And I was like, wow, I should not be dating. Like this was awful. Like I just need to be done. Like I need to work on me. And I had a message where this person had gone through my booby trapped OkCupid because OkCupid is ridiculous. Everyone's for some reason polyamorous on there. And most of the time guys are gross. Uh, so, cause I'm straight. So, <laughs> so I deal with gross people all the time. And I had this booby trapped profile that was like, don't message me if X, Y, Z, where I could fully lay out like the things that I've dealt with in relationships that I will not deal with where I'm like, must have a college degree, must do this, must do that, must not do this. He responded to every single thing in my profile in length, but he didn't realize I was the same girl that ghosted him when he invited me to the view house. And I didn't realize it was the same dude. And I looked and he was in his Navy whites, just like in the tender profile. And I was like, this fucker. <laughs> so I said, Hey, you have my phone number. And he totally did not anymore. He deleted my phone number and he was like, yeah, like remind me what it is. I'm just getting you see zip 
you know, these area codes. And he texted me and he was like, I hope this is my last first date. And I was like, this guy, he probably just wants to have sex. Like there's no way. He picks me up. Our date lasts 72 hours. I find out. Yeah. So a whole weekend, like Friday to Sunday, a whole weekend, I find out that he was so excited to go on the date with me that he went to wax his car and he left his car running while he was waxing his car and his car battery died. Cause I gave him my address for some reason. I, I would never do that, but I gave him my address and let him pick me up, which is bizarre. I guess the way I figured it is if I was going to die, at least, <laughs> at least, you know, hooray. <laughs> so don't murder me. But he, the battery had died. So he takes an Uber to Napa Auto Parts, gets a fully charged battery, jumps the battery, drives the car around the block a few times, leaves it idling, doesn't have time to shower, doesn't have time to change, throws on a different shirt and like maybe some deodorant and then like pops out the door. And yeah, like, like I, I mean, I, when I found that out, it really warmed my heart because I, it made me realize how much he was excited to like meet me. And um, yeah, I mean, he's, He's definitely never what I would have predicted. I never thought I wanted to be with anyone in the military. I never thought I would be with someone from not Colorado. I never thought I'd be with someone who chose actively to live downtown in Denver. But I went against every single thing that I thought was something I couldn't deal with. And he ended up being my soulmate. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. What your hard nose were, what your, like... Oh gosh. Oh, um, I, I think like, I was like, you can't like you divorce is okay, but you can't have a child if you're divorced. Cause I didn't want to co-parent. Okay, you that's have to... Cause I've recently come around to the idea of like, all right, well if they're a dad and they, yeah, co-parent a kid, they have like mutual custody. Right. Then I can deal with that. Like I'm, I, that used to be a hard no for me, but now I'm starting. Yeah. To... Yeah. I, I, I was actually kind of softening on that right before I met, met, met my husband, because I was like, man, I can't find anyone that's not, not divorced. Right. Like, <laughs> and I was, and I, I was like 27 at the time of this kind of happening and I'm 31 now, but I had other no, like definitely the college degree was important because I one time had had a boyfriend who did not have a college degree and he was just always throwing it in my face about how like I had a degree and I looked down on him for not having one and I never once thought that. But then I realized, okay, like clearly that's an issue. Like he's feeling like emasculated because I have a career and he works at Starbucks. Like, <laughs> hmm, okay. Um, financial for the most part, I, 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 I was kind of like, if money's a problem in the first place, it's always going to be a problem, um, for, for me, uh, just in terms of like, if a guy, you know, has complete like money, money issues, and that's very apparent up front, like I can't handle that because I, for the most part in my twenties kind of had my shit together, but not really. Um, so that was probably pretty vapid of me as well. Um, oh, definitely had to have a car because Denver is not a walkable city. Like you definitely need a car to get from point A to point B. Um, and for some reason I was attracting a lot of guys that didn't drive. <laughs> um, and I guess I had, I can't really remember all of them now, but I had like some really stupid superficial ones. Like I didn't want to be your tour guide if you had just moved to Denver and, um, like, I, you know, definitely wasn't into polyamory. Um, ha I have no, I had no problem if the man was bisexual, didn't care at all. Like, that's fine. Sexuality didn't, but doesn't bug me. It's a spectrum. But yeah, so I, it's, it's funny to think back on it because I was so adamant right when I met my husband that I was going to write a book. I was like, I'm going to write a book about online dating. And I never did it. <laughs> so and I, I had like the title picked out and everything. Like, everyone's trash, a definitive guide to online dating. And um yeah. And I've seen some of the screenshots you've shared and I am so sorry. Los Angeles, you need to do better. She is a gym. Yeah. It is disappointing day after day. having <laughs> to swipe on these apps. You would think that people would be in the mood to be dating right now. And also like, here's what I will say right now with this pandemic and Black Lives Matter and LGBTQ rights and trans lives mattering and all of those things combined what was so hard in the past was that you'd go on a date and then a red flag would pop up that you didn't catch. And you're like, oh, God damn it. this would have saved me so much time if you just told me this. Like, I could have just cast you off. Like, we're good. And now it's like, if they're not 
correctly quarantining, if they're not wearing a mask, if they are racist, like you're going to see that up front and center right on that profile immediately. So that is somewhat of a blessing because you don't have to actually physically waste your time. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there is like a sort of um, a way to kind of whittle down to the basics, especially on Bumble. They have all these different boxes that you can literally check on your profile that says whether you're, you know, liberal or conservative or moderate or what religion you belong to or what you're looking for, even something casual or relationship or marriage. If you want kids someday, if you smoke cigarettes, which is a deal breaker for me, Mm -hmm. um, or if you do or do not smoke weed, I I swipe left on people that say that they do not and would never. (laughs) Oh, we wouldn't be friends. Well, no, I, 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 just don't smoke it, but I have done in the past. <laughs> but it just seems like, because you don't have to opt in to all the boxes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. If you are anti, then, and, like, that's a deal breaker for me as someone yep. who does on a regular basis. Um, I'm also really tall, so I, it wills down a lot of people, because, like, I, I want to date someone at least my height. I'm 5'9", and um, yeah. men in LA are really short. Or they're so. lying! Or they're like, lying. That's so true. Like, like dude, you are not 5'10". Like, <laughs> you are 5'5". Five five. Height's not a problem for me because I'm short, but it is weird when I meet someone my height because I'm 5'3". And I'm like, huh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like the best, I, the best, I've had two serious relationships in Los Angeles and they've, mm-hmm. they've both, I've met them both online. One one was actually Craigslist and I was looking for apartments and he showed me his a room in his place that I ended up not taking, but we hit it off. And then the other the other two, actually, I guess there have been three relationships. The other two were Tinder. Um and I so I'm not I'm not one of those people that wants to just like completely write it off. And I, I hate hearing people that are like, well, once you stop looking, then you'll find someone. Cause it's like we're in the middle of a pandemic. I'm at home mm-hmm. in my house every single day. I have no opportunity to go out and just like be seen anymore. Mm-hmm. So, like, what choice do I have but to at least try? Yeah. Well, I'm. I will. I will negate that view because I don't <laughs> think that it's when you stop looking, you find it. I don't think that at all. I think when you stop focusing on that. Like, and you're like, okay with like who you are and like what you're doing. And like, for instance, like if you start throwing yourself into work, like it's probably going to happen. Like that person's going to materialize. Well, I mean, and I've been working very hard at my job for the past. I mean, I've been at this position for three years and I wouldn't ever say that my job hasn't been my full yeah. focus. Like it's yeah. always been, I have lots of goals in mind and I, I've, like been able to develop shows that I was really proud of, like Hot and Heavy, you mentioned earlier, as an mm-hmm. example of a show that I worked on. I found everybody for that show. I was really excited about it. Like there, there has been no point in my life where my singleness has been my focus. It's always been about me bettering myself as a human being. And if I were to fall in love, that would be a great bonus. So I, I don't necessarily yeah. think that that would necessarily change anything either, but um I, I think a lot of it has to just to do with luck and timing and yeah. it's serendipitous. And if it happens, it happens. And yeah. it doesn't happen for everybody. So I'm trying not to, um, you know, get too down on myself. You know, the, the older I get, the longer it goes that it hasn't happened because I don't want that to be seen as a, a reflection of me. I, I just haven't found anyone that's good enough. You haven't found anyone? Yeah, you haven't found anyone that can make you, you know, you're already great, but someone who can compliment that in the same way. You haven't found that. And, and that is, that is not, that's, you know, I, I wish more people would take that view because, um, I think a lot of times people settle because they have the societal norm. That's like, yo, like I need to do this and the 3.5 kids and, and whatever. And they're like, Oh, I'll just hitch my wagon to this thing. Right. And I, I think that's more, I think that's way more adult. It's more mature to say, okay, like I'm pretty great, but I'm not willing to compromise who I am for that. Yeah. Right. I'm going to find someone as great as I am and I haven't yet. Hell yeah. No, you're going to, but LA is tough. Like it's a tough, like my sister lived in LA for a long time and, uh, I, my, my 
my sister-in-law now, my husband's from Orange County, um, pretty familiar with LA, but I know that it can be, if you don't know the right people in terms of like, it can be really tough on you as we've kind of mentioned, but also like dating is hard and because everyone's at these varying levels of Peter Pan syndrome or some people aren't really where you're at in your career and that kind of stuff. And because LA is so big and vast, it can kind of feel like a wasteland at times. Yeah. So I'm sorry you have to deal with that, but okay. I have faith. <laughs> oh, I appreciate your, your hopefulness. Oh, I'm, I'm always hopeful. I'm like my friends, like I always have like foam fingers for my friends. I'm like, yes, like you're amazing. <laughs> and then I like myself can't take a compliment. So I'm like, well, geez. <laughs> so I think we've really definitely tackled the elephant in the room. We can say sashay away to that. Um, I love this portion of my podcast where I get to learn about the things that my um, I guess are super passionate about or fanatical about even. So what is one or a few things you're fanatical about and why? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, television. Yes. <laughs> probably number one for me. It's my job, but it's also my favorite hobby and has been my constant companion my entire life. Um, I think that as a medium, it doesn't get the respect that it deserves. Um, Anytime anyone talks about television, it's almost in a context of watch less TV and turn the TV off and don't have a TV in your bedroom and replace screens with something else. And I think of television as sort of an outlet to the outside world and Mm -hmm. it's an opportunity to kind of learn about other people and other cultures and other perspectives. And I, I really appreciate that it's, it's availability to me, you know, like, I mean, especially during quarantine, it's been my constant companion and were it for not for TV, I feel like I would probably have lost my mind by now. So I just, I feel like it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't really get the res- respect that it deserves as a medium. Um, I'm fanatical about TV. I love that. And you're also <laughs> fanatical about your cute dog. And that was going to be my next thing. Yeah. Hey. Fanatical about Manny. Um, he, again, talk about constant companion. We've been together for eight years now. Oh, I love him. Um, he is just like he has the dimensions of a loaf of bread and he is like just a big ball of love i have been posting more recently about like the issues that we've been experiencing especially during quarantine because we've been you know glued to each other's sides anything that kind of goes out of the norm of our very controlled environment is really affecting him recently and sort of just been through the roof and um, I'm sort of looking into remedies for his anxiety in terms of like maybe prescription medication or um, <sighs> behavioral therapy or um, training like boot camp to try and because he has a combination of two really anxious breeds pug and chihuahua yep. so he has kind of everything working against him genetically and he has a lot of aggression toward other dogs so that means that we can't go to dog parks or we can't go to dog beaches you know there's a lot of things that we can't really can't take him to like a restaurant and sit outside and have him just be calm he'll just be freaking out every time he sees another dog so there are definitely limitations to the things that we can do together but i feel really lucky that he is just this sweet little animal to me and to other humans um and he he's really smart and he listens and he obeys and he tells you what he needs if he needs to go out he'll stand by the door and bark if he wants to go in his crate he'll paw and and bark and let you know to open it up or if he wants food like we have like this communication between us it's it's I don't it's funny when people notice that they're like oh you don't even give him commands you just speak in English to him and like full sentences <laughs> and he can totally understand you and it's true and it's a sort of like cosmic connection to another creature that I've haven't I've ever haven't ever felt as strongly with anyone else as I do with him so I, I feel fanatical about that relationship Aww. what you said reminds me so much of my old dog so I adopted my previous boy Murphy um he was five years old he was relinquished to a shelter for biting a child didn't know that didn't have kids didn't have dogs didn't have cats adopted him and he bonded to me like imprinted on me basically because when you're a dog and you're left in the shelter at that age um it can be very hard uh but that turned into aggression very quickly and I was in my 20s like I couldn't really afford to like do a whole lot of 
you know, I, like it took me forever to afford being able to do aggression training. Um, I, I hired this company called Pavlov Dog. Um, it was helpful, but really all I learned was don't ever put him near other dogs and uh, always have a treat. And I was like, cool. So I paid you how much money? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I tried Caesar Milan. I tried, I tried YouTube videos. I tried, um, I did puppy classes at Petco because I was like, oh, I don't know what else to do. I tried everything. And the conclusion I had to come to was he's just not going to be a dog's dog. Like that is just not going to ever happen. Um, and similar to you, um, Mur Murphy, during the beginning of the pandemic, at first it was like, I was home all the time and he was like, why are you here? Like, you're always gone. Like, this is my house and I just like to chill. And then he switched from that to like Velcro boy, where I was going to the bath. He never came in the bathroom, but he suddenly was coming in the bathroom with me. And it was odd behavior, but it made me realize something was definitely wrong because he was almost, almost 12, basically. And um, it was heartbreaking to watch his health decline. But there was something that just triggered it with this pandemic, I feel like, where I was just home more, so I noticed it. Um, and similar to you, like, I don't know if I'll ever find another, another animal that loves me in that same way. Cause Murphy thought the sun shined out of my ass. Like that <laughs> dog was my dog. Like he barely accepted my husband, like bit my husband in the face. He's oh. bitten, he bit, he, yeah, he bit a lot of people, including a FedEx, a FedEx person at the beginning of the pandemic, which made me realize like something was definitely wrong. Cause that was just complete senile behavior. Um, but what I can say is that things that did work for me, CBD was a lifesaver. Um, CBD oil, I know that there's not like a whole lot of like information on CBD oil, but definitely, it, it definitely helps. So if you have the opportunity or if you're not currently doing it, try it. Yeah, no, he definitely, we have CBD oil, we have hemp treats, he has like a thunder vest. I feel like we've tried everything under the sun in terms of like over-the-counter options. Poor baby. Um, but, you know, I, I had like a really nice conversation after I posted about it with someone who is a is an animal, animal behavior therapist and that getting diagnosed with whatever his specific issue is and figuring out the best possible training for for that specific issue, I think would be really helpful. Um, so I, I reached out to someone here in Los Angeles and we'll, we'll see how that goes. It's all like a room yeah. too. So the issue right now is she needs me to video his behavior so that she can oh, see gosh. it. It's really hard and dangerous for him to be around other dogs. And like, I don't want to put him in a position because that's the other thing is he, he has like this Napoleon complex where he's only really triggered by bigger dogs that could easily yeah. kill him. And he goes for the throat and he wants to like attack these pit bulls that could swallow him in one bite. And just like, it's, it's so unsafe for him because they have every right to defend themselves and to snap back at him because he's being a little shit. So I don't know how I'm going to be able to get, actually get the behavior on camera. Um, <sighs> yeah. Well, maybe you have a friend that like has a dog that's like super dopey that like won't, won't be afraid <laughs> of that. And like a, like a golden retriever or something <laughs> like just lay down. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. So in terms of unpopular opinions, and um, this is winding down, but I really feel like your unpopular opinion needs to be heard because I, I read this and I laughed because I agreed. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that you call TV your constant companion. And I can kind of see that, you know, this is definitely playing into to that. So um, what is your unpopular opinion? All right, so if I had to pull up the Google Docs, I didn't remember what I said. This one's good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, one of the shows, especially during quarantine, that everyone's been kind of obsessive over is The Office. And I, I watched The Office as it was airing. I was a, a very early adopter, and I was obsessed with John Krasinski. I even wanted to make, like, a documentary about being in love with him. Kind of, there was one about this guy that was in love with Drew Barrymore, and he was like, I'm going to make a documentary about wanting to go on a date with her, and then he ended up getting to do it. So I was like, I'm going to do that with, with John Krasinski. And this was before he met Emily Blunt um, <laughs> back in 06, 07, when I was living in New York and sleeping on the sidewalk for SNL tickets every weekend. Um, and I would get to like meet him because he, he and Rashida Jones were like dating or, or friends and they would go to the shows a lot together. And um, anyway, I loved The Office is my point when it first came out. And I thought that Jim and Pam were like it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then looking back on it, rewatching it, reading about it, there's a BuzzFeed article out there about this too, about how Jim is just the worst. Like these are not role models. These mm -hmm. are not people that we should be idolizing. Like 
Jim is essentially bullying an autistic person in their office every single day. And, and Dwight doesn't understand like why he is a victim to these like mean spirited pranks against him on a regular basis. And, and Pam was engaged to someone else when Jim kissed her. Like that is bad behavior. Mm-hmm. But like we romanticize it and we think of it as like, well, you know, he, he was in love with her and he's handsome and nice. So like he can do whatever he wants. And I think there's, there's so much, there's so much like problematic behavior in that series that we sort of gloss over or, maybe even don't realize because we have like such an affection for them as characters. And um, yeah, I, I urge anyone listening to this to just Google Jim, the office Buzzfeed. I'm sure the article will pop up and give you a whole new perspective on what a piece of shit he is and how terrible their relationship was. Like he bought his parents house on the edge of a quarry without discussing it with her. Mm -hmm. Like that's, terrible he takes a job behind her back in a different city like these these are offenses that i are unforgivable in in my mind like i you can't trust someone who does these things yeah Yeah. (laughs) no no it's it's so true and i like being married and like i i think i recently like was like oh i want to like watch the end of The Office because I never watched the final season and I was just offended. Just offended by everything he did. And then they were trying to inseminate that, you know, Pam was cheating and all this other crap. It's like, no, like this is this is not a real love story to want to obtain or have. Um, and I just, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. There was just something about him that just always drove me insane. Oh, really? I was just like, so oh. infatuated. I was so head over heels in love with him. I didn't, I, I thought, well, he and, he and Pam are what I want. Like, that's the, that's the perfect love story. And it took me a long time to realize, like, no, these are, I guess, in a sense, realistic characters. Yeah. And that they are deeply flawed. And, um, you know, that is maybe more true to life than the ideal, you know, romantic comedy. But, um, it's not any, it's anything that anyone should be idolizing or aspiring to, in my opinion. Oh, I definitely agree. And uh, there is no judgment there. I mean, like for me, whenever I hear someone like, oh, Jim and Pam, I want that so much. I'm like, did we watch the same show? Like, because <laughs> he is garbage. Like, <laughs> that is not good. <laughs> um, so as we're winding down, I always love to ask this question because the pandemic can mostly be really bad, but you know, 2020 is a great year for figuring out lovely, beautiful things, but what's currently making you happy in the world? Um, well, I love television. As we <laughs> I just recently watched all of the Unsolved Mysteries episodes on Netflix. Yes. I recommend. I literally can't stop thinking about them. Um, I've rewatched a couple episodes and um, I heard that there's going to be a new batch out soon and there's going to be a ghost story in one of the episodes. I'm very excited. Um, <laughs> I love watching documentaries. I watched the one about Dr. Ruth yesterday, um, like the Harvey Weinstein, Jeffrey Epstein. Like I, I just love like consuming information um, through documentaries. Um, that gives me a lot of joy. Um, I recently got a bike. I've been going on a lot of bike rides. I, I love the neighborhood that I live in. It's like Larchmont Village slash Hancock Park, like south of Hollywood. And it's just these beautiful tree-lined streets and these mm-hmm. big mansions that like my tiny apartment complex just happens to be next to. And um, I, yeah, I feel very lucky. I feel safe to be able to like take my bike around in the area that I live in. I love going hiking in LA. There's so many like beautiful, like shady canyons that you can explore and different like trails that you can just go off and find a view and you, you feel like you're the only person in the world like I love that about LA it's so accessible it's so easy to get to it's so nearby um being from Texas like you don't even want to go outside for like because <laughs> it's so swampy and 100 degrees 100 percent humidity and you, you start sweating immediately and here you walk outside and I need like a sweater and at the end of July like that drives that 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 blows my mind. Like I've never in my life did I think that I would live somewhere where I would love going outside every single day. Cause being raised in Texas, it was just impossible. It was just, it was too miserable. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's in a nutshell, LA, TV, my dog, <laughs> I cried. I love that. Have you done the hike? Okay, just, you know, sidebar, but have you done the hike that has like the bat cave? that they used in the 50s. So that's the only hike I've ever done. My brother-in-law took me on that hike um, and I will never forget it. I thought it was the coolest thing. (laughs) Yeah, there's a bunch of different like cave uh, hikes in LA that are really cool. And that's the other thing. It's like, I'm discovering new hikes all the time. There's like, it feels like endless possibilities. I really want to go over to the, um, the bridge to nowhere hike. It's supposed to take like eight hours to complete, but it's supposed to be really worth it. And that's the other Ooh, thing is like, during the pandemic, like you can, you're only hanging out with so many people, you know, like we have this little pandemic pod, it's me and my roommate. And then she picked a person and I picked a person. So, you know, it's a total of like four people or four or five being exposed to each other um, in total. But, you know, if they have full-time jobs or my friend's car just got um, hit and a hit and run. So now she can't drive. And it's just like all these circumstances, like, keep you from being able to see each other it's frustrating but um yeah I'll, I'll have to revisit that hike that's a good one uh, I love that I can't wait to see photos and all that because you always take such good photos of everything um and then we're as we're winding down and thank you so much again Skylar for um gracing me with your lovely presence I think you have a lot of beautiful things to say but I always love to give my guests the opportunity to promote whatever they'd like so is there something you'd like to promote um I guess just my Instagram at Skylar Hurt uh Skylar with an E I I think was it you that sent me a Skylar with an A and you're like they're a totally different breed I was like yes yes the the what what uh character at Walmart are you and I was like I have to send this just because and then I'm gonna tell her that this is a different breed (laughs) that is not me yeah Skylar with an E H-U-R-T um yeah I mean that's that's about it I guess if I had shows from my company airing right now it's just people watch them but if they want to go back and watch Hot and Heavy on TLC or uh, Kentucky Ayahuasca on Viceland. I'm sure they're available for streaming Undercover Billionaire on Discovery. Yep. Um, yeah, check it out. Love it. I love all of that. Well, thank you so much. And as always to my listeners, all of this is going to be in the description. Um, check out our social media. I'll tag in Skylar. Definitely follow her. She's definitely a delight, has a lot of beautiful things to say. If you feel like you identify with any of the things, feel free to reach out to her or myself in the podcast. If you want to be a guest on my podcast, the email is podcast at gmail.com. So let me know. Um, we can set something up. And Thank you to everyone for all of your support continually without my listeners. I would be nowhere. And without my lovely guests like Skylar, I wouldn't be able to share these stories. So thank you again so much, Skylar. And I hope you enjoy your evening and get to do that hike soon. Yeah. I'll do. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'll talk to you later. (laughs) Bye. Bye. This has been Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, like, comment, share, tell a friend. You know, that's how I'm going to keep these stories and going. Also, if you want to be a podcast guest, you can reach out to me at podcast at gmail.com and we can get it set up. Thanks everyone for your continued support. And I look forward to, you know, connecting with you again next Monday.